Welcome to Redeemer's Church Weekly Message Podcast, where our mission is simple. We are a church that is passionate about loving God and loving people. And now, we hope you enjoy this week's message by Pastor Dwight Bennett. Hallelujah. Good morning. Happy Easter. What an amazing day. I was just telling everybody this morning that we should readjust our calendars and Easter should be the first day of every year. Amen. Does that sound like a good idea? We celebrate the resurrection. We celebrate new life. We celebrate the new day. We celebrate a new year. Come on, somebody. Woo. Resurrection. What he's done. It's amazing what he has done. The Bible says in uh, uh, the, the Gospel of Luke, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is, a, is upon me. He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the favor of the Lord has come. We are living in the time of favor, uh, the favor of Jesus and his resurrection. That's what he has done. Can anybody say amen? Hallelujah. Woo! I tell you, it's exciting to... Uh, be able to bring a message on Easter Sunday. Um, this thing has been brewing in my heart for quite some time. And uh, if you would, you have your Bibles, turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 20. We are here celebrating a resurrection of sorts. And if you read, oh, of sorts, some of you should be questioning of sorts. It's not a one-time event, it's a lifetime event. So we're celebrating a resurrection, but it has a lifetime of impact. Amen? Would you agree with me? If you read all of the accounts of the resurrection in all of the Gospels, it's amazing what everyone has to say about it. This uh, version in the Gospel of John says, Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciples, uh, the one whom Jesus loved. And she said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. And Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb and they were running. But the other disciples outran Peter and reached the tomb first. I can't even imagine what that looked like. It, you know, them racing to the tomb, one passing the other uh, to get there to see what, what it actually actually happened he stopped and looked in and saw that the linen wrapping wrappings were lying there but he didn't go in then Simon Peter arrived and he went inside he also noticed that the linen wrappings were just lying there and while the cloth that covered Jesus head was folded up I love that that's for all you men you can make your bed and you can fold your clothes come on somebody Jesus gave us the example, men, of how to do things tidy. Hallelujah. Then, then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and saw, listen to me, and what happened? And he believed. Listen, they had walked with Jesus for three years of the most amazing, miraculous ministry that you could ever imagine. He told them in, in this journey that one day he would die, but he would not stay there. He would pick up his own body, and three days later, he would rise again. And so when they saw this event occur, they thought about those things that Jesus said. 
They thought about the people who came to him. They thought about the people whose lives were changed. They thought about the people who had no hope, but Jesus gave them hope. They thought about those things. This all went through their head. And then it says, and they believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said, Jesus must rise from the dead. And then they went home. Father, we thank you today for this day, the day that you have made, the day that we will rejoice in, the day where we celebrate this amazing weekend of you going to the cross and giving your life for us, for you being in that tomb and, and, and taking the, the keys from death and hell and destroying the effect of that in the lives of all human beings. We thank you that you rose again and that now you are seated at the right hand of the Father, still loving us, still praying for us, still working for us. You are alive and well, no longer on that cross, no longer in the tomb, but you are still active and working on our behalf. And Father, we thank you for that. Father, we pray today for anyone online or in the sanctuary today who are searching for the things that you have to offer for what you have done. And we pray today, Father, that this would be a message that would draw all men unto yourself, all women unto yourself, all children unto yourself. We thank you, God, that your word is active and alive and that you are amazing. Help in the search that you have placed us on in this life. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How many of you would agree that we are all in search for something? We're, uh, every day, we're in search of different things. Some of us, we're in search of peace. We have so much turmoil going on. And we're searching for that thing that will bring us peace. Well, I got good news for you. Jesus will bring peace into your life. As a matter of fact, it says when we draw close to Jesus, he will give us a peace that passes all understanding. When you're in the midst of the storms of your life, Jesus, when he comes, when you embrace him, he walks you through those things. He brings you to the other side and you get to look back and just see how amazing and how good he is. We know that people are looking for security. They want to know is this it? Is, is this the only life? Is there life after death? And I got good news for you today. The Bible tells us in the Gospel of John that when we believe, when we embrace Jesus as our Savior, it says at that moment we pass from death to life. And what does that mean? Does that mean that you've got a place in eternity? Yes. But it also means that you get to live life in that ideology that no longer is, does death have a hold on you. No longer do you have to wonder, where am I going to go? After all these years, am I just going to return to the earth? No, you have the opportunity when you believe. You have the opportunity to be secure in the idea that Jesus loves you. We also know that, the, uh, that people are looking for things like good relationships. And they're looking for things uh, like purpose. People are in search of a lot of things. Some of you are wondering, Pastor, that's really interesting that you're using your uh, driver as a prop this morning. You know why? Because I golf with guys 
who every time the new, next new driver comes out, they buy it because they got the money. Why? Because they're in search of 15 extra yards on that drive. They're in search of pulling the coolest club out of their bag and looking like that guy. Trust me, they're on the golf course. They want to look like that guy. We know that people are searching for things like life hacks. Now, listen, we talked about this on st at staff on, on Tuesday, and I have to admit, probably because I'm 61 now, but I didn't know what a life hack was, and it was a little embarrassing when I found out. So for some of you who are like, I, I know what that is, but you really don't, a life hack is any trick or shortcut or skill method that makes life easier and more effective. That's what a life hack is. You know, they're, on the, they're all over the internet. I learned a great one at staff on Tuesday. Learned a great one. Grant said, if you turn an egg over and you tap the fat side until you, not, not break the shell, but if you tap it, you'll hear a crack in there. And that, what? A little ping, that's right. And you've supposedly broken the membrane. And then when you put that egg in to hard boil it, we did this and it works. The shell comes off of the egg without you doing all that stuff and losing half the egg white. That's a life hack. People are in search of that kind of stuff. Now, here's, here's a great one. Would have never thought of this. How many of y'all have that five-gallon bucket? You want to put it in the sink. You want to get water, but it just doesn't fit in there. Well, listen, all you got to do is hook a pool noodle up to the edge of your sink and then run your pool noodle outside of the sink down into that bucket and you man are you guys just getting some amazing information here how many of you are tired of those yellow headlights that are in the front of your car and you think man can i can i ever relieve the yellow on those headlights well, i got good news for you fill a bucket up with dish detergent wipe them off and then mix baking soda and vinegar together and take that mixture and rub it over and your yellow lenses are now white again those are life hacks they're just things that people do to they're in search of to make life easier more effective and as the definition said more efficient well listen I know this for a fact that people are looking for more than life hacks. They're looking for more things than just a life hack. And, and I have good news for you, so is God. God is in search of something as well. Somebody look at your neighbor and tell them God is searching for you. He is searching for you. When I opened up my article this week, I took a scripture from the Old Testament. And I know people, when they read my article, their initial thought was, Pastor, why are you opening up a resurrection article with a scripture from the Old Testament? Well, here's the deal. In Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 2, there is a message that came from the Lord. It said, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds, the leaders of Israel. Give them this message from the sovereign Lord. What sorrow awaits you, shepherds, who feed yourselves instead of your flocks? Shouldn't shepherds feed their sheep? There were people watching over their animals and not taking care of them. That was symbolic of what was happening in that time with God's people. And God said this in verse 11, For this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself, listen to this, will search for my sheep. I will be like a shepherd looking for his scattered flock. 
I will find my sheep and rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on that dark and cloudy day. So many times in life, man, we are trapped in that place where we, it seems like there's no hope, there's no place to go, there's no one that understands us. I have good news for you. Not only does God understand you, but the word says he searches for you. He looks for you when you're in those dark places, when you're in the midst of that turmoil in your life that you just can't find your way out of. He is there for you. In verse 16, it says, I will search for my lost ones who stray away. I know that some of you made a, a commitment to Christ at one time and you've just wandered away. He's still in search of you, the lost ones who stray away. And I will bring them safely home again. Now listen to what he'll do. I will bandage the injured and strengthen the weak. But I will destroy those who are fat and powerful. And I will feed them, yes, feed them justice. Listen, God is in search of us. Now turn with me to Luke chapter 19. Because I want to show you that this is carried on in what Jesus did. Jesus is entering Jericho. He's made his way through the town. There was a man named Zacchaeus in, in verse 1. It says he was the chief tax collector in the region. And he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, climbed up a sycamore tree and, and uh, that was beside the road for Jesus was going to pass by that way. And when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus, how many of you realize that when God knows that you are searching for him, he's not going to make it difficult for you to find him. Now, Zacchaeus ran ahead. He got up in the tree. Jesus noticed him. Why is that? Well, it's because he's in search of us. He's in search of you. He was in search of Zacchaeus. And when Zacchaeus ran up into that place, and I'll tell you about Zacchaeus's GPS system in, in a moment, but he was connected to Jesus and Jesus saw that Zacchaeus was trying to connect to him. And when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name because he knew him and he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home. And Zacchaeus quickly climbed down, took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. Now listen to this. But the people, everybody say that. But the people. No, you got to say it. But the people. Because something's going to come after that. They were displeased. Why would anyone be displeased that Jesus noticed Zacchaeus and wanted to go to his house. Well, because Zacchaeus wasn't probably the most reputable guy in that area. He was the IRS. Hallelujah. That's right. And Dwight was going through Washington and saw the IRS and invited them to his home. And people would say, are you nuts? Are you inviting an audit into your home? But see, Jesus doesn't look. This is why I'm making this point. Jesus didn't look at what his profession was. Jesus didn't look at what his confession was. Because it's not about that. It's about him searching for us. And as I go on, meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord. And I he said, I'll give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. If I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. 
And listen to what Jesus said. And this is for you today because this can be your message as well. Jesus responded and said, Salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. And then Jesus says this in verse 10. For the son of man came to seek and to save those who are lost. God said in Ezekiel that I'm going to search for my sheep. And when I find them, I'm going to take care of them. When I find the sheep who have been outside the, the pen, who have been damaged, have been discouraged, have, have had life uh, just beat them up. He said, I'm going to bandage them up. Uh, they're going to come in. They're going to find that peace that they were hoping to find. They're going to feel that security that they've always wanted to have. And when they follow me, they will also find the, the purpose in their life that I have for them. Now, how in the world can Jesus see Zacchaeus in a tree and, and, and call him out, not only call him out, but he calls him by name. Well, let me just throw this at you today. In Ecclesiastes 3.11, this is what the Bible says in that. This is the same text that famous songs for written, for everything there's a season, every time under the sun, turn, 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 there is a reason. Okay, you got that? Everybody in my generation, ha, huh, sing with me now. No, we won't do that. But that's the context of what this is. The, uh, in Ecclesiastes, the writer is talking about life and the twists and turns of life. But then he goes on to say this in verse 11. Aren't you glad I didn't continue singing? Hallelujah. Verse 11, yet God. Somebody look at your neighbor again and say, yet God. He has made everything beautiful in its own time. See, this is how God is. Royal and I were having a little bit of a cry fest today because we're just so blessed about Easter and we get to celebrate again. And I said this to Royal. I said, can you imagine we had our arms around each other? And I said, when, when we look in the mirror, we get to see that God has transformed who we are. He has transformed us from the inside out. So in his own time, that's what he does. Listen to what he has planted. He has planted eternity in the human heart. Mm, this is powerful. Listen, he has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. How many times as you have, as a believer, how many times have you said, wow, I just wish I knew what God was going to do. I wish I knew what he was going to say. I wish I knew what he wanted me to do. But listen, as I've told you many times, God is out in your future preparing things for you and he will draw you into that place that he wants you to be. You can just rest in that. You can rest in that. And so we see in these scriptures that not only is God searching for us, not only is Jesus, did he come to seek and to save that which was lost, that's why he went to the cross to seek and save that which was lost, but he has placed something inside of us that draws us unto him. Now, isn't it interesting, in Romans chapter 1, God makes a reference to creation. And he says, if you have never even heard the gospel, there would be something in the amazing things that I have created that would draw you to say there must be something bigger than me that made this happen. 
There must be something bigger than a Big Bang or, or one of those theories that scientists try to perpetrate that, that make no sense. What makes sense is, is only God can do the things that have been done. Only God could place something inside of you that would draw you unto him. Now, we put a, an app on our phone. It's called Waze. I used to call it Waz all the time, but it's Waze. It's that directional GPS system. I called it Waz for years. Dad, it's Waze. I know it's Waz. No, it's Waze because, you know, it's showing you the way. And so when you put Waze into your system, before we left Florida, because we drove this time, Tammy put that into her phone, and, and then we put in 1209 Carroll Eastern Road, and it led us to the best and most effective way to get from the place we were in Plant City, Florida, to the place of home. Isn't it good when you go away that when you come home, it's such a great feeling. Great to be away. Next week, I'll leave for Africa. I'll be there till May 4th, and I, I will be so excited when that uh, pilot says we began our departure into Port Columbus. That's the greatest feeling in the world, to, to not just go and serve the Lord, but to come home and be able to be with my, my wife, my, my beautiful wife and family. But this GPS that God puts in our heart, just like Waze, Waze is an app that I can get, but if I don't download it and activate it, I can't make it work. It has no purpose to just be a story that I hear. And see, this is the same thing about the eternal GPS system that Ecclesiastes chapter 3 tells us about. In order for that system to lead you home for all of eternity, it has to be activated. It has to be activated. Well, that sounds like a pretty complicated process for those of us over 60. We can't download apps and activate them. You better make this easier for me. Well, the truth is, is it is that easy. What is God asking us to do? Is he asking us to jump through a thousand hoops? No, not really. He's, he's really not. Is he asking us to do works to receive what he has in store for us? Because he paid a great price for us on the cross. Is that what he's asking us to do? Do you know how many times when I talk to people who don't know Jesus and I lay out the gospel before them, they say this line to me. Well, pastor, when I get it together, listen, you're 50 years old. You haven't got it together yet. You ain't going to get it together in another 50 years. What helps us to get it together is when we take that missing piece and that's our relationship with God, the God who searches after us, the God who implanted that in our hearts, he put that thing in us to attract us to him. That's how good he is. But he's not waiting for you to get it together. He died on the cross for all of us who don't have it together. Isn't that a good thing? And that's why it's so amazing when we look at what he's saying to do, that we can do that and our whole life can be turned around. 
the famous scripture that we know so much, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son. Now, here you go. That everyone who what? You read it. Okay, let's read that together. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. That scripture does not say, for God so loved the world, that when you get it together, you can come to him. Because that is a prerequisite. What is the prerequisite to have your life transformed? Believe. I mean, no, don't, don't add anything to it. It's believe. To believe that Jesus died on a cross. That's what we're here. We're celebrating Easter today. Hallelujah. It's like hitting a drive right down the middle. We are here celebrating the fact that Jesus went to the cross for us. And all we have to do is believe. Turn with me to... John chapter 11, and I'm going to read you just a few examples of this, but they're thick throughout the whole thing. I went, I went to my concordance and looked up the, the, the scriptures that say believe. It's unbelievable how many times that God is saying to believe. Just believe. Now listen to this. This is the story of uh, uh, Lazarus and, and Jesus coming uh, you know, to do what his family was hoping he would do, that Lazarus wouldn't die. Okay? Now listen, when Jesus arrived at Bethany, this is verse 17, he was told that Lazarus had already been in the grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road for, from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Mary and Martha in their loss. When Martha got the word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here. How many times as believers do we go through something and we think to ourselves and pray, Jesus, why did you let that happen? Why did I have to go through that? It could have been totally different if you would have just showed up before this event. But I got good news for you today. Everything you go through, he's aware of. And he's got a purpose for it. And on the other side of it, you're going to know him in a way that you've never known him before. This is for believers to understand. We are not in a place as believers where we're stalemated by every event in life that happens to us. It's not what happens to us. It's the one we believe in that's going to lead us through it. And I don't know about you, but I know Jesus better than I've ever known him before today. Not because everything was roses for me. It's because of the turmoil that has happened in my life. When that car flipped over and I was heading toward a cliff on my, what I thought was my last day on earth, and Jesus sent his angels to stop that event. And I realized after it was all over what God had done. I know Jesus like I've never known him before. 
The Bible says that ministering angels are always around you. Well, you know what? I've always wondered about that, but now I know for sure. And I know for sure that as that car was careening towards the cliff, it just gave this huge stop, and I knew it was a couple angels just saying, that's far enough. That's far enough. And I learned something about Jesus in the midst of my trial and turmoil. And I've also found out that he's been good through two shoulder surgeries since that part that happened during that occurrence. But God's got something in store for us the closer we come to him. Can I get an amen on God's goodness? Hallelujah. Y'all are sitting there thinking about all the bad things. Some of y'all are waiting for God to come through. And I have good news for you today. Keep believing. Just keep believing. This message is about just believe. When you believe and trust in God, he comes through for you. Martha said to Jesus, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. She believes in Jesus' ability to make even the dead rise. Come on, somebody. It's amazing when you get to see miracles that God does. It's amazing when you see blind eyes open and deaf ears hear and cancers removed. He is that good. Verse 23, Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. And yes, Martha said, he will rise again when everyone else rises at the last day. And Jesus told her, listen, I am the resurrection and the life. And look what he says. Anyone who what? Believes in me will live even after dying. Mm. I've learned something over the years of doing multiple funerals. A believer never dies. A believer goes from one life to the next life. One life to the next life. Anyone who believes in me, everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. And what does Jesus ask Martha? Do you what? Believe. See, that's the $64,000 question, question for everyone in the sanctuary today and those who are watching us online. That's the real question. And so many things happen in our lives that want to discourage that outcome from what God would have it to be. You see, God is searching for you. You see, Jesus went to the cross for you. Why? Because he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And when you find him, all of those things of discouragement that the enemy wants to lead you through and keep you in, they get transformed. And you begin to find how amazing God is. Do you believe? Do you believe? Turn with me to John 5. John 5. And then we're going to get into the crooks of our message. In verse 24, Jesus says this, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message, this is his message. I'm not making it up. These are scriptures that I'm reading right from here. I'm not making this stuff up. Okay? He said, anyone who hears my message and believe in God who sent me, they, they have what? Eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sin. Wow. That 
passage is for those who are waiting to get it together before they come to him. You don't have to wait. He says, when you come to him, you will never be condemned for their sins. You are most likely your worst enemy. You are condemning yourself. You know you don't have it together. It's okay. Jesus is so amazing that you will not be condemned for those sins. But they have already passed from death to life. When you say yes to Jesus, you have already conquered death. And when you wonder what dying is, for you it's totally different when you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Jesus says that in a present tense. When you believe right now, I believe, so I have already passed from death to life. I am living in the life of eternity as I am walking and breathing and living today. That same God that we're going to live with forever is now living in me, guiding me, leading me, comforting me, encouraging me. I've already passed from that death place, that dark place, into what the Bible says, his marvelous light. Come on, somebody. I don't know about you, but as a believer, that means a lot to me. That I know that every day I'm awake, I'm alive. I'm not going to say I'm one, one day closer to, to meeting him. I've already met him. Come on, somebody. He already lives in me. I want to quickly just go through the lives of three people. Turn with me, if you would, to the Gospel of John in the third verse. When you're there, say I'm there. Ver chapter 3, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, I said the first verse, didn't I? Rick, you should have used your prophetic giftings. <laughs> Betty. <laughs> oh, man. Don't you just love people? Gosh, just love people. There was a man named Nicodemus. He was uh, an influential man. He was a person that had influence in his part of society. He was part of the Sanhedrin, the governing body. He was a Pharisee. He was uh, a Jewish guy who had probably seen and heard a little bit about Jesus. And it says this, he was a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee after dark one evening. Why did he come after dark? Because he didn't want anybody to see him there. I mean, let's face it, folks. If, we, we know we, we love celebrating Easter. We know that it's the greatest event in all of history. But we also know this, that there is nothing in life being challenged more than the person of who Jesus is. And there is going to be a day that when you stand before him, you are not going to be able to stay halfway in the dark and halfway in the light. When you stand before him, you want to be in the light because you believed. Yeah, that, that's, that's a good point. Rick said can, cancel culture began back then. They were trying to cancel out who Jesus was. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evident that God is with you. And then Jesus said, why, thank you. That's very observant of you. No, that's not what he said. Jesus replied, and he said, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man... 
go back into his mother's womb and be born again? I think that's a fair question when you, you don't know the aspect that Jesus is talking about a spiritual birth. And so Jesus said, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and of the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible, Nicodemus asked. And, and Jesus said, you're a respected Jewish teacher. This stuff has been prophesied for years, and now it's coming to pass. And you don't understand these things. I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you what? Won't believe. You won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe when I tell you about heavenly things this is a smart well-respected guy and he is being confronted with the idea that Jesus is saying the simple truth that what you're going to need to do Nicodemus is you're going to need to move your thought process from here to here and the only way to do that is is you have to believe Nicodemus was thinking about what is this going to cost me what are the Pharisees going to say? What will the Sanhedrin do when they kick me out? Because that's probably what will happen. How will I live my life? And Jesus is saying, you don't have to worry about those things. You can look that up in Matthew chapter 6. He's got all of those things taken care of for you. So if you're here today and you have not said yes to Jesus because of these pressures of what other people are going to think or how it's going to work for you, you know, when I first started thinking about coming to Jesus, I thought, how can I come to Jesus, the cosmic killjoy, and still have fun in my life? I just thought as soon as I asked Jesus into my heart that all the fun that I ever had that was not good fun, that I wasn't going to be able to have enjoy life anymore. But I quickly found out when I said, yes, I believe, that he provided a journey for me that I could have never imagined in my wildest dreams. And believing sets you up for the adventures of the kingdom. It sets you up for a life like you could never imagine. So we look at Nicodemus and basically Jesus said, you're going to have to believe. In John chapter 11, here's the woman at the well. Here's a woman who has uh, lived a tough life. Let's just put it that way. Here's a woman that, that came and and uh, she was a, a Samaritan, and Jesus was a Jew, and that was oil and water. They didn't mix. They never came together. So I'm making this point because, see, Jesus doesn't care who you are, where you are. He doesn't care if you profess to be a Muslim or a Buddhist or, or, or whatever you said. He's still searching for you because you haven't found the full truth. And the full truth is he is the resurrection and the life. He's the only God that was raised three days later. He's the only God that died. The other gods that people worship, I got a newsflash, they're still dead. They're still dead. And instead of taking advantage of all the people that they took advantage of, their legacy is, is that people are still getting taken advantage of. 
Not those who believe in Jesus. It's not so. So he said, can you draw me some water? I'm paraphrasing this, and I'm trying to get through so I can get to the place I want to be. And, uh, um, wait a minute, I'm, I'm still working on Lazarus here. And so he gets to the place where he asks her to draw water. And the woman was surprised, for the Jews refused to have anything to do with the Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus said this, if you only knew. Listen to this, listen to this. I, I want you all to hear this. Because this is right for you, right? Uh, yeah, I'm going to quit using this as a point. <laughs> Why didn't you say something to me? you got to help me, girl. I haven't done this very long. This is my first time I've ever preached. <laughs> if, uh, he said, if you only knew the gift that God has for you, who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you what? Living water but sir you don't have a rope or a bucket she said you don't need no rope or bucket for the living water that jesus gives all you have to do is come on what was that all you have to do is believe anyone who thirsts for verse 13 this water will soon be anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again but those who drink the water i give will never be thirsty again it becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. What he's saying is, is when you believe, there is something that wells up inside of you, and now you become that well of life, and the things that you learn and do and breathe and get to be a part of in his kingdom, you are the one that becomes living water. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never thirst again. I won't have to come here and get water. Now listen, Jesus is going to secure this ideology of who he is and what he knows. Go get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, what did I tell you before? That if this, your sins will never condemn you? If this next part of scripture doesn't prove it, I can never prove it to you. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Now, if we said that, there would be sarcasm. But Jesus is speaking it just to bring revelation. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it? that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it's someplace else where our ancestors worship. Jesus said, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when no, it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on the mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one who worship you. As a matter of fact, this is so amazing. This is one of the first Gentile uh, opportunities for ministry. And aren't you glad that Jesus loved the Gentiles because that's who most of us are, are Gentiles. Jesus said in verse 23, but the time is coming. Indeed, it's here. Now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, the Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. See, they had revelation of that. It didn't matter if she had five other husbands and is living with another guy 
You know why? Because God put eternity in the hearts of all men. And there's something in your heart that knows there's something bigger than you. And this, this woman knew that. She knew that there was something bigger. And Jesus then told her, I am the Messiah. Just then the disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman. That's not a thing. That was never supposed to happen. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? Now listen, then the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone. What she had came for, the water that was going to provide her temporary relief, no longer was important. She was not thirsty at that moment because the living water had just touched her. So she left her water bucket and she said, come and see a man that told me everything that I did. Now, I'm going to skip ahead because she believed. At that moment, she believed. Did she have a conversion that said, no, 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 come, you ought to pray this prayer first? No, because she had a connection. She had an encounter with God. And God wants to have an encounter with all of us today. Each and every one of us, he wants to have an encounter with. And so what happened was, this woman's life got transformed. First thing she did, she wouldn't have done this if she didn't believe, would she? Because she ran and told everybody about the man who knew everything about her. That's powerful stuff. And guess what happened? Guess what happens? Believers, when you take your story and go tell other people, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus. Why? Because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days. Now listen to this. Long enough for many to hear his message and what? Believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he indeed is the savior of the world. You catching the, the, the theme here? It's who believed. They just believed. Turn with me to Luke chapter 24 as we begin to close. You know, sometimes we get into places in life where we just don't feel worthy. Where we just don't think anybody, even in our own family, can love us because of what we've done. We just don't believe that, uh, or we think to ourselves, we have messed up so bad that how could anyone find any redeeming value within us? Listen, I have good news for you. Redemption came for you in God's mind, when you were in your mother's womb. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 1, before the beginning of the world, before he created anything, you were in his mind. See, redemption flowed in your life before you were even created. Now, how does, that go, how does that redemptive thing go away? We just get lost. We just get lost. We, ju we just don't begin to understand who Jesus is. We don't allow him.
to come in. So we just think we got to keep doing what we've done every day of our life because that's just who I am. I got news for you, good news for you. It doesn't have to be that way. It just doesn't have to be that way. In Luke 24, verse 34, I want to read you a, 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 an amazing story. And I think I wrote down, I might have wrote down the wrong scripture here. Yeah, I did. I think it's 23. It's Luke 23. Turn to Luke 23, 34. Jesus said, when he's hanging on the cross, and this is so powerful, he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Thorns on his head, nails in his hands. He looks down at all the people who were screaming at him, said, keep Barabbas, keep Barabbas. Put Jesus on the cross. And he looks down and he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice okay a seven you get jesus's robe yeah you know i mean they were into this the crowd watched and the leader scoffed he saved others they said let him save himself if he really is god's messiah the chosen one the soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine they called out to him if you're the king of the jews save yourself a sign was fastened above him with these words. This is the king of Jews, of the Jews. They were mocking him. If he's such a great king, why is he nailed to a cross? Now listen to this. One of the criminals beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested. Don't you fear God? Even... When you have been sentenced to die, we deserve to die for our crimes. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, listen to this, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus, with thorns on his head, nails in his hands and feet, he said this, Jesus replied, I assure you, Today, you will be with me in paradise. What did this guy do? What did he do? I mean, listen to the life he lived. I mean, you know, this, this was a criminal. He finally got to the point in his life where society could not bear him any longer. He might have been a thief as a child. He might have been abandoned as a child and he had to steal bread to survive. I don't know what his, his deal was, but all that time when all that was happening, he, he had eternity in his heart. God knew who he was. He was searching. He was a lost sheep. And isn't it amazing that God brought him right next to Jesus on the last day of his life to give him the last opportunity to believe. And hanging on the cross, he says, will you remember me? Basically, he says, you know, Jesus, I believe. 
And Jesus, in his goodness, his kindness, and his grace, he said, today, not tomorrow, not when you die and you are raised again from the... He said, today, you will be with me in paradise. A thief hanging on a cross found redemption. He was not condemned for all of his past sins. But that very day when he said, I believe, Jesus said, you are mine. You will be with me in paradise. That's the power of Easter. That is the power of the resurrection. That is the power of what he said in John chapter 12. Now listen to me. This is when the eternal GPS system was activated in all men. He said in John 12, if I be lifted up from the earth, he said, I will draw all people to myself. A magnetic drawing, something from heaven itself, something from the beginning of creation was put inside the hearts of all men. And the God who created them said, I don't want to lose any of you. So I'm going to put something that can help track you every day of your life. Not only will it help me find you, but it'll help you find me. That's how much he loves you. And at the cross, this was activated. And I have such good news for all of you today. If you are here and you've heard about it, but you've not believed, today is the day where your app is going to be activated. Where your belief in Jesus Christ is going to bring you to that place of eternal knowledge and peace. And all the condemnation that everyone has heaped on you all of those days, you're going to find out Jesus is not going to add on to that. He's going to remove it. Peace I give to you. Peace I leave with you. And if you're a believer today, this is a message about taking what a woman who had no hope and came to believe, and she became an evangelist. How many of us were in a place where we had no hope until we found him? We need to activate that which is inside of us. If you're here today, I beg you to not let the enemy rob from you another second in your life oh pastor those are powerful that's what you bet yes i beg you i plead with you my heart goes out to you but today's got to be the day like all these other people i made this message just for you because it's just a matter of belief it's not who you are it's not what you do. It's not how much money you have. It's not what club you believe in or belong to. It's about belief and belief only. Do you believe with every eye open? I want to ask you today. If you say, Pastor, today I hear you. I hear what you're saying. I want to believe. 
If that's you, I just want to see your hand right now. Say, Pastor, I want to believe in Jesus today. Anyone here that would say, thank you, God bless you. Thank you, God bless you. Who else? This is the way all altar calls start in Africa, where hundreds of people come that I tell you about. It starts with two people just saying yes. Who else? Who else would say yes today? Say, Pastor, I want to believe today. God bless you. God bless you. This is a great day for you. Who else? I know there's more that God has brought you in here today. And you. this message is designed just for you. Who else needs to say yes, I believe, today? Anyone else? Who else? Who else? Anyone else? God bless you, little guy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Who else needs to say yes? You might be somebody that has fallen away from God and you need a way back. If that's you, just raise your hand with the other people. We're going to pray. God bless you. Thank you, sir. Who else? Who else needs to come? Who, who else needs to say yes to Jesus? That's four people. God showed me five. Who's the fifth? Who? Who? Listen. You, you don't have to wait to get it together. You, you don't have to worry about what anyone's going to say because when you're standing before God, they're not going to worry about what your friend who is going to hell had to say. They're going to wonder what you had to say. Who else? Who else needs to say, yes, pastor, I want to ask Jesus into my heart. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. Okay, we got what God showed me, but I think there's probably somebody else. Would you all stand with me today? God bless you. This is an amazing day. The greatest day of all of history is today. We'll never get it back. We need to know that Jesus loves us. For those of you who are believers, be thankful, but you also need to be resolute. This is a day when people need to hear the truth. You know, when you raised your hand and said you wanted to believe, you're already connected. None of these other people are going to do what we are going to do next, but I think it's important that we make a recognition. I think it's important that we make that recognition. Would, now would you all bow your heads with me? I'm going to lead us through a prayer of salvation. If you are somebody that you know you needed to raise your hand, just pray this prayer and believe in your heart and trust me that Jesus that died on the cross for you is going to come right where you are. For the rest of us, let's all pray this prayer together and let's just reignite that fire of who Jesus is. Amen? Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your son who came not to condemn us, but to search for us and to save us. And Father, today, I believe. I thank you for not condemning me for all of my sins. But I ask you, Lord, to forgive me of those sins. I thank you, Jesus that I can be as a believer now and that your life will come upon me and all of the condemnation of my past I place in your hands because I know you're a good God. 
today, Jesus, we all say thank you. We all say thank you for dying on the cross so that we could have this life today. This life today that no more darkness has to surround us. That the idea of death can't confound us. And we thank you that we also have eternal life as well. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. We hope you were challenged, encouraged, and inspired as you listened to this teaching from God's Word. For more messages or information about our church, please go to www.redeemers.life.